Hello, everybody, and welcome to June's issue of the On Air with IWFFA. I'm one-third of your host, Miss Raina, and we have Kim with us. Kim, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great today, Miss Raina. It's a beautiful day. It's wonderful. Thank you. It is. It is. It's a little rainy over here. How is the weather over by you? Well, I'm based in Northern Virginia, and right now, we started with sun this morning. Now it's cloudy, so who knows what happened by the <laughs> another 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> Maybe kneeling outside. I don't know. <laughs> it, it changes so sporadically. I saw there was a, a lot of investigates as far as, you know, possible tropical storms and everything. It's that time of year that's coming around here in Florida. It's really rainy. It's, it's June is the month where every day it rains. It just, there's thunderstorms all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about Diane and, you know, I worked with FEMA last year okay. and, um, so it was just kind of really opportunity to kind of get really intimate with what these tropical storm does to many of the islands. Yes, yes. And, and you know, we've been very lucky here in Florida, and I'm sure you're, it was the same with Virginia and everything, where, you know, the, the storms haven't really created too much. But there's been some islands and some tropical storm or some hurricanes the last couple of years that have really devastated a bunch of areas. So crossing our fingers, let's hope this is a year where a lot of places don't get hit really bad. So Yes, we're crazy. So, all right, guys, you know, usually you're probably expecting to hear Diane, but Diane is in Mexico right now. She is doing the IWFFA down in Mexico, and I guess that is an event going on from June 14th to the 20th, and I see some pictures of her having such a wonderful time down there and seeing all the good stuff, so I can't wait to hear the stories. So, me and Kim are your hosts for this month, and I just hope we do a good enough job as Diane does. So, we're going to have a couple of announcements, and some of them are if you guys have got to the IWFFA newsletter if you haven't signed up for that please make sure you do it's full of really really good content and things you need to know for the league but there's a tournament coming up in New Orleans and the New Orleans tournament is from July 10th through the 11th and they are looking for people and players and teammates and everything for that tournament especially for the loose women's tournament I believe that there's uh, some pretty good rates going on right now because a lot of people share the hotel rooms and if you guys have not done any of these tournaments as someone who has done many tournaments in both football softball and and all sorts of different things it is such a wonderful time and new orleans is such a beautiful city i have visited new orleans many times and it's just such a rich culture and that's something that you guys really really want to do so if you guys haven't registered the deadline for registration is a few days away june 21st email the iwffa at iwffa at iwffa.com you know i'm I made that. I, I, I thought I was going <laughs> I thought you Kim, I thought I was gonna mess that all up with that tongue twister, you know. <laughs> very good <laughs> all right but yes people the loose women are looking for teams and if you guys aren't familiar with the loose women the loose women is a team that kind of just takes all these different players they really don't have a set team and just uh people so if, you, if you're you know if you're thinking about joining and you don't have a team the loose women's team is a really great team to start off on and new orleans and having football what better way to start off a football team it's such a great time there is also the p-town tournament coming up september 
September 17th through the 21st. So please sign up today. This P-Town tournament, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to play because I'm still dealing with health issues. However, though, I am going to wish my team such a really, really good luck and all the teams as well. But the P-Town tournament classic is so much fun. I know there's other tournaments coming up like the Havana one and the Guatemalan tournament, but that is all on the IWFA newsletter. So please sign up for that. So Kim, I don't know if you've been following the newsletter, but did you read this month's article on Coach Allison Wood? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. You know, one of the things that I love is I, I love knowledge, as you guys know. And, and Kim, yeah, I know you're new to the kind of the show, but I really love knowledge. And one of the things that I've noticed is I really loved her article. I mean, I love her writing all the time. Don't get me wrong. But I, I really love the fact that she went in and talked about how running the ball and offensive blocking is important because, you know, the glorified positions usually go to the, the running back or the quarterback or the receivers. <laughs> yes. but, the, yeah. the, but the line is really important, isn't it? The line and the center. The center, I, I'm going to say too, is probably a very, very key position. And, you know, you really have to be on your toes. Yes. Yes, you do. What, what position did you play, Kim? When I played, I played in the secondary. So okay. defensive back. Oh, and then, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I played like a middle linebacker type of deal. So with, with my height and weight, I was really kind of good and fast, really fast at the time. Oh, nice. Um, at at kind of getting through, cutting through the offensive line and getting at the quarterback. And I love that. I love defense too. I got to go with you girl on this one because I love defense. I love my offense, but I really love my defense because, yeah. you know, yes, when you're in that middle linebacker position, mm. people you could duck behind people and all of a sudden pop out either intercept or really go right after that quarterback. And what a great feeling that is, right? Yep, yep. And of course, they can't see me. Radio audience can't see me. But, you know, at five feet, one inches, it was very easy for me to duck behind someone and then to magically appear right there. Yes. So. Yeah, that would be hard. That would be hard, especially if you got tall linemen or tall defensive linemen yeah. coming in, and that, and all of a sudden here's someone five one coming in and just or five four coming in and sneaking through. Yes, mm -hmm. now that that's great. But I think you know one of the things that we underestimate in football is the line. You know whether it's offensive or defensive line. I've always been a receiver and, and running back and quarterback myself. But the first year I got with my first order, I actually played the O line and I. I realized how hard it was. I was both yeah. offense and defense and it was the most exhausting position I've ever played. And I was like, <laughs> because, you see why they get tired. Yeah. Because <laughs> every down you're going full hard, right? Yeah. I think you're exactly right. I mean, that's what I would call the, the, the fundamentals. And, you know, I used to talk to people a lot about, you know, when you play a sport, learn the fundamentals fundamentals of football is certainly understanding who to block because if you don't know where to pick up your blocks then you know you can destroy the whole play you have to know which blocks you uh, you need to pick up so that's an important part yes and, and that was something that i learned on the go because i i've always watched football and i understand as a quarterback that you know the blocking situation but being in that moment and having someone come at you and then someone come around on the blitz and having to pick <laughs> right? up two people <laughs> 
I was I was gulping down uh, so many like as I said last time I was gulping down so many fruits and vegetables because I was like wow mm-hmm. this is really like every play is so intense but it is mm-hmm. so important because one of the things that I've noticed with teams that struggle is they don't have good blocking if if your quarterback or running back or receivers or whatever don't have the time to develop the play and that is all off that is all the line they have mm-hmm. to make sure that the time develops the play especially in running which is something we don't really see a lot in flag football right yeah i mean having time to develop the play as you said really falls on the line i mean if they're not doing their jobs or if they don't know what their assignment is i should say then your quarterback doesn't have time to move around and kind of go go through the check down as we call it you know where you see i can throw it to this receiver oh you know she's blocked i can go that receiver oh she's blocked oh here's my here's my here's my throw right here so that's important you know to give that quarterback uh time and especially if they're going to be in the pocket or you know maybe running out of the pocket whatever it is that line needs to give them some time to really develop the play and, and i think that's such a key point and i'm glad you said that because it, it, it is like being a quarterback people get mad at you and people are like well i was wide open but you don't really <laughs> realize like you have like a split second sometimes to that's see right. the field to see what the play is going to happen and then make a decision and throw and mm-hmm. that's very important and that's one of the reasons why the the line is so important for a lot of people is because as you said they have to know their assignments and i think that's something that the teams if you really want to succeed you really have to go over with your linemen because a lot of times like i said you know the glorification is the wide receiver or the running back or the quarterback whoever's you know catching the plays and making the touchdowns and everything but those plays don't happen without those lines and mm-hmm. if they don't know their assignment, I remember one time when we were playing, there was a new girl that came in and, and this was before the team I'm on now. And she didn't understand like, oh, the, you know, this person's going to come at you and then I have to drop off and get this mm-hmm. person. And it was just like every time I went to drop back, someone was grabbing my flag already. And I was like, what, mm-hmm. what, what's going on? And mm-hmm. we got slaughtered that game. And it's very difficult because it's like your your mind says, OK, this person's coming at me. But there's other things going on that you have to be aware of. Yeah, another thing I'll mention too is, you know, when you're on the line, you have to know and be able to recognize when the blocks are changing. So I say, for example, we used to do this thing called pull. So we would be in front of, you know, the offensive person as a defense, but then we would pull off the line and we would go somewhere else. The offensive line, you know, they have to be able to pick that up because sometimes your block is not coming right at you. Sometimes your block is coming from another direction. And so, you know, we have a lot of different teams in the IWFA and some of those you know many of the teams that have played for a while they have a really elaborate playbook and yeah. so understanding that you know when things like that happen you have to be able to know which block to pick up when they're coming from another direction absolutely and that's difficult especially if you're new to the sport and that's why I tell yes. people like you have to yes. learn especially if you're young you have to learn to develop your senses because it's not just so much looking at a play and saying okay this is uh, this is what I'm going to do because it's really about feeling what's happening because Mm -hmm. like I said I was doing I was being a quarterback and and receiver but the first time I was on a line it was way different and my body wasn't used to doing certain things and and it took a minute for my mind and after the first day the first day of the P-Town tournament I did terrible and I I was on no sleep too but it was like the the next night I made sure I got super rest and and I felt it I said okay this is what went on you were missing blocks you were missing these things you were letting these people go and, and this is how you have to adjust and 
so I realized that I had to make those key adjustments because as coach Allison would said, is like everybody has to get blocked. You must not let someone get by and in order to get at the quarterback or receiver, right. because the moment your quarterback right. starts to feel the pressure, they're, mm -hmm. they're going to make an error judgment. Yeah. And throw we see it in NFL all the time. <laughs> How many times do you rush quarterbacks throw pick? Right. That's right. That's right. Yep. And you know, one of the things I want to mention too is, you know, oftentimes when people think of the line, they forget about the center. Yes. You know, the center is hiking the ball and they're really responsible for the ball getting into the hands of the quarterback. There's just so many different aspects to that position, listening, making adjustments, and also, of course, timing and knowing when to hike the ball to the quarterback. But even in that role, the center, after they do all that, they actually have to stand up and then pick up their block. Yes. And so sometimes I think people forget about the fact that, you know, centers are an important role because they're not just hiking the ball and just kind of like, oh, okay, let me stand there. No, they're hiking the ball and then they have to figure out where their block is coming from. And then that, I would say, is difficult feat if you're in that role as a center. So my hat off to all the centers out there, you know, that hike that ball and then have to pick up those blocks. I, I, and I agree with you 100%. I give the line, both on offense and defense, so much credit because they don't get enough credit. And you're right, the center does. You have to bend over, look upside down, <laughs> make sure that <laughs> ball is placed right to hike the corner and then sit up and figure out in a split second all that goes right. hike in a split second you gotta do all that and figure right. out where the people yeah. are coming from yeah. and when I was on defense I used to play on that because I used to watch the center and to see like who they were always looking at and people have a tendency to look at one side or the other they like it, depending on what they're dominant with like they have a habit of going and I would pick apart that I would especially as you you were saying you're a defensive back and a middle mm -hmm. linebacker if when I was playing those positions I would have a field day if I saw someone going to one side it was a clear shot every single time and mm -hmm. and it has to be understand you have to understand that those times you know that, that yes you are under this pressure but you still have to develop that sense of okay where is the defense coming from and what do I have to pick up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so but yes I, I thought that was such a great article uh, done by Allison and, and yes guys I know I haven't been writing my articles recently but that's because of things we're doing but alright guys we're going to take a break and we will be right back. Actually, Diane recorded an interview with the Jamaican League and it was such a wonderful interview. So make sure you guys stay tuned and we'll be right back after these messages. The IWFFA is for girls, juniors, women of all ages, teens and loose women, individual players. We welcome all levels of play, whether you're a novice or the best of the best. It's all about uniting under one umbrella female flag football all over the world. Women should rule their own sports, and we do. So join us today and experience the excitement. Female flag football at its best. All right, everybody, we are back. And if you're just joining us, we have two thirds of our co-hosts, me and Kim. And before we get into it, I just want to say Diane recorded a interview with the Jamaican League. And I think you guys are really going to love this. And this is something that I think that a lot of women, you know, we deal with this a little bit in our country, but it's really good to see what other country and other women uh, struggle with in, in other countries. So let's get to that interview and we will be right back. Welcome, ladies, to 
on the air with the IWFFA, I have with me ambassador to Jamaica, Dr. Stacey Griffiths. And I also have Shamara Taylor, who was born and raised in Jamaica, lived in Brazil for some years, and now she's back. And we had an interesting conversation a short while ago about the dynamic of the different countries with regards to the men in the country and the women. And I'm just going to jump the gun and express my quick thought. I may be wrong. I see in Latin America that, you know, the men are dominant. They live in a patriarchal society and the women are tough. They got fire in their bellies. That's my quick opinion. Now, Jamaica is a Caribbean island. And I was talking to Stacy about her husband. Stacy just had a baby. And I asked if he helps her with the baby and things like changing the diapers. And I want to tell you the reason why I asked that question was because my brother brother-in-law refused to touch a diaper. And my sister, they had two children and this man never changed a diaper. And Stacy, tell us a little bit about your husband, first of all, Jamaican, and just tell us, give us a summary, a description about your man. My, my husband, he is very, he is very helpful. When I say helpful with the baby, we take shifts with the baby. If I'm breastfeeding, he'll say, okay, when he poops, I'll change the diaper. He'll get up, he'll give the baby a bath in the morning, stuff that he, the only thing he's not able to do is breastfeed. And that's the only thing he doesn't do. He does <laughs> bottle feed him because I express milk so that he'll get a chance to bottle feed him. He changes the diaper even in the middle of the night. So he's back at work and I'm still on maternity leave. And when I am exhausted because we have two kids, Daniel, who's eight, who has autism and we have Elijah and at night sometimes I'm very frustrated and tired because I have a newborn and he's up with the baby even though he has work and he'll tell me to go and get some rest and he'll be up with the baby so he does everything he's a good man he really helps with the so-called womanly chores right and what a sweetheart and Shamara if you would weigh in what do you think about the Jamaican men again I still have to do the display on that I haven't I haven't been here for the last seven or so years but as you said I was born and raised here and my experience with the men in my life right now with that includes my father my brother and some male friends that I have they are the type of people who will step up and do what they need to do and it doesn't really have male roles and female roles they will just do it because they have to do it and that's just a part of life but I know that there are other men who aren't exactly like that because in my case, my, my dad was a single dad. So he raised me, my brother and my sister. And I guess that's why in his case, he just did what he had to do. And he doesn't really have that whole, oh, I don't do certain things and only men can do certain roles. So Shamara, you were in Brazil for the last seven years then. And you came to Jamaica to visit your dad, right? Because of the yeah. COVID? Yes. But just in general, because, you know, here in Key West, where I live, we have a lot of Haitians and I see there's a difference. I see that, you know, my girls are fiery. They are really energetic, tough. And then other cultures like Scandinavia, you know, the women, they are not fiery in a way that is observant. That's that in a way that's obvious on the outside. Tell me if I'm wrong. Do you think that in countries where men are dominant and even Asia countries now that the women 
women are suppressed. Do you think that the women develop to be submissive? Do you think so, Stacy? Do you think in other countries now, I'm trying to get a conversation to, to make a point. Yes, Diane, I do think so. Because if you have a country where the males are the dominant figure in the society or, you know, they're they spearhead the household. You're going to have women more submissive. You will have a handful that will, would want to rebel or revolutionize things. And the community will come down on those women as well. So they will get some backlash from the community. However, you will find that majority of the women in those societies would be forced to be submissive, even if they don't want to be. In even if it's not in their, even if it's not in their nature, have you, yes. either of you, have either of you women watched that TV series *Handmaid's Tale*? No, I no, I started reading the book. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> Stacy, it's a story about a society that has been, well, uh, United States has been transferred into a totally different society. Women are suppressed. They're enslaved. They're used for chores and to have babies. And if you, oh, so interesting, we're having this conversation and I'm, I'm just about to watch the second to the last show in the series. The reason why I'm interested in this topic is because, you know, IWFFA, we want to make leaders out of the women. And and how can, if we go into a country that suppresses the women, how can we make leaders out of them if the culture, if society restricts them from being strong, from standing out, or possibly the opposite? Maybe you would have a few women who would be radical and rebellious. Shamara, what do you think about what I've just suggested? Well, I think that's why, that's probably why flag football is that, that popular as it is in Brazil, because Brazil is that type of society that is male-dominated. There are women in some roles, but not exactly in all of the leadership roles, and women that are in the leadership roles, they're regularly criticized for anything that they do. And I feel like that's why that phase of flag football was so important in Brazil for the women to have something for the for women, with women that you can enjoy, and not have something that's dominated by males. Because the, the submissive aspect that you spoke about, it is something that you see in Brazil, where the ideal woman is a woman that is submissive towards her husband, that does that takes care of the home. She's just that type of person, sort of like a stepford wife, I guess you can compare it to. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what they would want. That's basically the, the, the type of woman that is idealized in Brazil. And that's because all the men, the men are in charge. It's a very patriarchal society there. And I never really understood that coming from Jamaica because Jamaica isn't as patriarchal as we would think it is because, or misogynistic, there are certain things in Jamaica that we should change, but then going, living in another country like Brazil and seeing just how different it is and the struggle for women there and not even just, and even worse than the struggle for women being there, it's just that there are women who are complacent and they've, they're okay. They've been so normalized to this type of society that they've decided that, oh, but this is just the way that life is. And this is the role that I have to play, which is even worse for me. You know, I heard in Jamaica that the men, they have their wives, but then they also have their girlfriends and that many of the women in Jamaica will accept their husbands having these extramarital relationships or their girlfriends, as long as the wife, the home, the family are taken care of. True or false? Is that an exaggeration? Stacy? what do you think? So, so as well, Correct, Shamara, Jamaican is actually a, a matriarchal society because 
Like, for instance, we, back in the day, it used to be patriarchal society. However, the women, we have a lot of single homes now. I guess because Shamara haven't been here for a while, we have a lot of single parent homes, so the women are standing up more. They're not afraid to walk away anymore. They're not afraid to walk away from relationships that are abusive and stuff like that. However, yes men knows that the ones who are still you know well who are having steady relationship in a relationship with females and you know they're together married common law is also legal in jamaica and so you find that men do provide for their women and and provide wholeheartedly and yes i mean just like how in other countries men are promiscuous so yes it's becoming a thing now jamaica men yes can be promiscuous some women will know about it and not us too much but Jamaican women don't sit down and accept the what we call the side chick quote unquote the side chick that's what we call the side girlfriends and we don't we don't accept the side chick but persons would not some women will just not fuss about it because what he comes home at night and he takes care of business at home but it's not that women accept it it's just that they're not some women will just not fuss about it and some women will literally grab the man and you know rough him up but over overall it's it's becoming a thing now where women are being side chicks a lot of women well, i mean i don't know shamara is you know aware of some of these things going on because she said she hasn't been here for a while right Sham? well yeah, but shamara but, but has been in brazil so it, it would be interesting to get the stereotypes for brazil and jamaica but and we are just stereotyping of course not all men behave the way we're just talking about now and we're just talking out loud having a nice conversation shamara let me ask you a question then what do you think in a country can change the society for women in the different countries around the world for brazil let's say shamara what do you think would change to allow the women to become the leaders well i think i think first of all women need to be able to be in charge of their own issues and not have someone speak about issues that affect women for them i feel like that's one way that or the, the power was has been taken away from women over like the last decade or the last few decades or probably the last century that women have not been given that opportunity to make their own decisions really about their own bodies for the majority of it and I feel like in that moment or with that movement I feel like that's one step that women could take to basically take back their power and just to see other women taking up these roles occupying spaces that are generally occupied by men and doing all the things that other men can that men can do as well because a lot of things a lot of things the, the basically the justification for women not taking part in certain things is because it has been thought that men can do it better. But I feel like if we can show that women are just as capable, then it would start to change the minds. And it, it goes back to children. If you start instilling these things into, into children from their younger, that women are capable of doing these things, women, not just because you're a boy or just because you're a girl, that means that you can do certain things and other things. I feel like it should be, it's something that we have to start from young and re, we have to reparent people, the older people. To accept that women are able to do certain things and not because society said in the past that certain roles are for certain people then you should behave you should be behaving like that i feel like it's something that we need to do like actual work stacy for 
Jamaica, what do you think could be done to allow the women to be leaders in their country? To be honest, in Jamaica, we, we women, we naturally lead because from, from a tender age in primary school and prep school, I think you guys call elementary school, you guys call it elementary school. We start off with leadership there. So a female can be a class monitor. She can be a prefect. In terms of leading, we tend to put both males and females out there. And our women, we are just as competitive as our male figures. The only thing is that the, the female group, like across the world, we don't get a lot of support in terms of like female football in Jamaica don't get a lot of support when I say football I'm talking I'm referring to soccer they don't get a lot of support as the male football team so you you'll find that that's where we need to to foster these leadership qualities like give them the same amount give them the same amount of support that they'll give the male teams and the male figures in terms of politics yes we have a lot of female now in politics even our leading party no majority of the, the the leaders majority of the ministers are females in the, the this new party and they're young females as well which is quite a few young females which is impressive the first it has ever happened where you have majority of them are young females or females in general however so that's a good support that's that's a good um look i should say because it shows that you know we're pushing our women to do more the only thing that you find now in the papers persons are saying that these young women or these women in parliament are really not speaking out they don't have a voice in terms of speaking out against domestic violence speaking out against things happening to women in our society so as Shamar would say that you know she thinks women should be able to speak out for themselves instead of having somebody else do it for them and I think the fact that they have a platform to do so they should do more in terms of coming out showing themselves and and making themselves out there, putting themselves out there so that the younger girls can see them and say, oh, yes, so a lot of women are in parliament. I can be there too. So even though our culture fosters leadership in women, we're still not supported by the masses in terms of, as I say, sports and other areas. So now that they have a platform to do so, I think they should make every effort to, to, to go out there and foster other young ladies and also in the communities where they're ministers to foster those girls in those communities and women as well in those communities. You know, what's interesting is uh, in India, where it's clearly that the men dominate, in the household, the women are in charge. They are the boss. And also in India, you know, not long ago, well, rape is prevalent and there was a horrendous situation, a horrendous rape. Young girl and her boyfriend were on a bus and there was a gang who raped her and ended up, she had died because of that act. And hundreds of thousands of Indian women went to the streets and protest. And I think that started to make change. Another interesting thing I found when I went to Cuba, those women are equal, if not stronger than the men in Cuba. And when I went there, I asked the women, I says, what happened when Castro took power? That was 1959. When Castro took over Cuba, nationalized everything, 
two things happened. Women, he said, were equal to the men and black people are equal to white people. And so if you go to Cuba, you'll see that the women are very much strong leaders. And so that's Q and, and the men are equal with the women. Okay. And then also in the United States, you know, in the 70s, I think things really started to change. You know, we had women protesting, the women fought for equal jobs, equal pay, education, laws, Title IX and health. Women could, for the first time, get a legal abortion. And politics, you know, we have a lot of women now taking political seats and bringing it all to summarize our flag football association, the IWFFA. We have a program where we encourage moms to coach their daughters flag football so that the daughters would see their mothers and a woman in a leadership role. Stacy and Shamara, both of you mentioned about young people seeing women as leaders. And that is that is true. It's crucial. You know, every time I register the girls, I used to ask uh, parents, would you like to coach your daughter's team? And always I would get the dad. Now I ask mom specifically, would you like to coach your daughter's team? No experience necessary because everybody has a first day on the job and be interesting to develop the female style of coaching as well as playing flag football. But ladies, I want to thank you so much for a great conversation. It was a topic that I thought women might be interested to hear about, to be continued. And Stacy and Shamara, we're going to see you in August in Jamaica. And so I just want to thank you very much for sharing your thoughts, opinions with us. And thank you very much. You're welcome, Diane. Thank you for having me. Okay, what a great interview that was. Kim, how did you like that interview? I loved it. I think I thought it was very informative and kind of gave me some great ideas in terms of the perspective, you know, how other countries operate culturally. It is, it is. I, I got to agree with you. It's funny because if you don't do a lot of traveling, I don't know if you do a lot of traveling, but if you don't do a lot of traveling, you really don't know the diversity that other countries and cultures have and how they think and how they present different things. And I think it was great that Diane and Stacy and Samara brought out the idea of what actually happens in Jamaica, because I, I honestly, I've, I've never been to Jamaica, so I really didn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I have to mention that, you know, some of my favorite places to visit is the Caribbean islands. And when we travel there, and we're probably traveling there in a month or so, we typically stay with people we know. We have a friend who has dual citizenship in the Bahamas. And so we typically stay with her cousins. That is a wonderful way to experience the culture, to learn about the culture, and to really see how things flow, you know, in the Caribbean. And each island is different. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to visit the Caribbean and it's great to see that in some countries such as ours, even though it's still a struggle, that societies are growing and they're getting away from this patriarchal society where one sex rules over the other because in my mind it should be an equal balance. Men have things to offer, women have things to offer and everything in between, you know. But it's coming from a culture where we're trying to strive to be equals. It was amazing to kind of hear that Stacy said, well, you know, women are suppressed in Jamaica a little bit and they 
lot of times play the submissive role and the ones that try to rebel get shunned and that kind of happens here in the United States too doesn't it it does it does I mean I would say that you know United States if we've come a long way in terms of gender equality but we still have a lot of ways to go and so as you listen to the interview you you know hear talk about you know how women are suppressed and basically a suppression is is a way to tell someone to kind of stay in their place and you know not just in Jamaica but you know other countries as well here in the United States you know that can happen a lot in the workplace for example it's one of the reasons why I branched out on my own and, and started working for myself there were some great places I worked for let's say the Radisson and, and from places that you know that were all about gender equality and they didn't care as long as you knew how to do the job that was great but I do notice it that a lot of times there's places I've worked and there's places I've even tried to play sports at and even they were bringing this up and they're in the softball world series I don't know if you watched the women's college world series just recently I do. <laughs> but but did you see that the coach from Oklahoma said hey you know we're not getting the same benefits as the men if the men are getting this why aren't we getting this why are why is our schedule being adjust to the men's schedule and then we don't get the same treatments we don't get the same perks we don't get the same of everything it's kind of like we gotta rough it out ourselves and and that's it and this is something that's serious maybe to some people it may sound like oh here's women complaining again but it's not complaining it's it's something that really needs to be addressed for us to understand because if the shoe was on the other foot i think that they would feel the same way yeah yeah i mean that, that as you were talking about how things are different for men and women in sports you know i kind of go back to espn and they actually show a picture of the men's facilities. I think this was basketball. And then they show a picture of the women's. Yes. And the women's room was disgraceful. It had little to no equipment, yes. you know, whereas the men's setup, they had all of this equipment and just, it just looked totally different. And you can see the investment of money. You can see the money was invested with the men and where it wasn't invested with the women. And so I'm sure that when they show those pictures, they had no idea that someone would gasp and look at that and say, what in the world is going on? How can you do that? And it's not just professional or adults. You're dealing with a lot of kids in high school and, and college. And that was one of the things where the, you saw that some of the, the rain delays and everything that the girls were playing till like two, three in the morning. And then they had to get up and play again. And you're talking about welfare of the student body athlete and everything. So this idea is of not getting the same equipment and having to jump around and do different things and not being taken seriously, especially by big organizations, but like the NCAA and everything like that need to be addressed. When we're young, we're always taught that we're supposed to be taught. And I, you see on Sesame Street and all this that, you know, men and women are supposed to be treated equal. But somewhere along the line, you lose that. And all of a sudden it starts to become like a competition between the two. And it does like my family was raised I grew up in a Hispanic household and one of the things that I was my dad was really a stickler for that I mean he learned to loosen up over the years but it was like I'm the man I'm the breadwinner you should do this for me because I'm the man and mm -hmm. and it was hard for me because I was like well no you're my dad you're not you're you know and I was like scratching my head like why why does this have to be a big thing but when I played sports I noticed the same thing and I started to realize at such a young age that there was like this competition between the sexes 
is. And this is something that shouldn't be. But, you know, one of the things that I think that what one of the things I think that Stacy and or, uh, Dr. Stacy said was that Jamaica is actually turning into or mostly a matriarchal society where a lot of the men and the women are equal. She said that in Cuba that the men and, and women are equal and black and white is equal. And I thought that was such a wonderful thing because mm -hmm. I'm all for equality and, and, and I have a hard time with racism, even though, you know, it, it seems like it's sometimes getting better and then sometimes it seems like the world's falling apart again. And I thought that... I would like to see what Cuba's doing, why that is taking. So can women become leaders? That's the question that we're going to have to ask, right? Can, so what do you think, Kim? Can women become leaders? Absolutely. And I think one of the things I've always said about what the IWFA does is it establishes leadership skills for women. I studied sports for a long time, just from a research standpoint and studying different people and different positions. And one of the things that, you know, we realized is that playing sports builds leadership leadership skills. Also, too, you'll find that in the workplace that when some employers find out that people play sports, they have a different perspective of that person. One of the things that brings to light about people who play sports is that they could have some leadership skills, you know, even if they're not the team captain. Yes. Um, the other thing is that their team spirit and how they play well in the sandbox, as we call it, or how they play well <laughs> with the rest of the team. Yes. They, they have at least those two skill sets. And then also a sense of competitiveness. So what does that mean in the workplace? So competitive, competitiveness in the workplace means that you will, if someone plays sports, then you possibly are gaining a person who has a go get it, gonna get it done type of attitude. Not that they wouldn't have it if they didn't play sports, that they may want to exceed and excel in their position in ways because they're being competitive. That's just their athletic nature and their competitiveness that's coming out. And that's really what you're seeing in the work. So that can be important, but leadership, particularly in some of the countries that are what we call patriarchal type of countries, the sports entry of with IWFA going into these countries and setting up different programs and getting women to play, it's going to build those women's leadership skills. You know, it's going to give them confidence. And I think that you brought up some good points because people in sports and like like we were saying, or like you said, you know, you don't have to play sports to have a go get it attitude or, you know, that competitiveness. There's a lot of people that I know that have never played sports and they're very competitive. And, <laughs> and maybe that's a sport in itself. But right. uh, <laughs> But, but you know, it, it's, it's, I, I realize that people in sports learn to figure things out. We were talking about earlier, just in the show about how the offensive linemen and things, you got to adjust and make adjustments mm -hmm. and kind of, you learn that quick thinking. And, and mm -hmm. I think women, we've been kind of thought of as, you know, just be Susie homemaker, just, you know, Wade, take care of the kids and everything. If you're in a straight relationship and now society's changing to where, oh my God, like, you know, we, we, ha we do have brains to think we can handle things where not these emotional wrecks and we can make the adjustments because I've met some very powerful women that are in the workplace and are in sports and just in life. You don't even have mm -hmm. to be in a work sport. You, mm -hmm. you could just in life and they know how to handle. And I think that's the thing that we have to realize is I think that if women took a hold of and St Dr. Stacy and Samara said this earlier, that if women take charge of their own issues, uh, women's health issues, their bodies, things like that, mm -hmm. and were able to prove themselves in other areas, Areas, I think that we would be given a better chance and hopefully within the next few generations that will change because I mean I, I don't know about how you feel I know 
you know, each generation kind of gets talked down to about uh, other generations. <laughs> I know our generation X was like, oh, these lazy kids. And now they're saying that about the millennials and, right. and, and everybody. <laughs> but, yeah. but I mean, Kim, do you, do you think that do you see the sensitivity in the young men and the women that are coming in today? And do you think that would maybe give us hope as women, you know, as the young women in the future that, hey, there's going to be possibility for more change out there? I mean, I do. And I think when we look at from a generation, looking back, looking at the different generations and how they embrace things, I think that change is going to be helpful for them in terms of moving forward and being successful in their life. I, I couldn't agree more. So, all right, guys, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back from these messages from the IWFFA. Want to start your own team or league? Would you like to learn how to officiate flag football? How about offering a players clinic in your hometown to learn how to play flag football? The IWFFA does just that. We have traveled across the United States and around the world since 1995, introducing the sport in some countries, creating new teams and leagues in others, and the IWFFA can help you. Just send an email to IWFFA at IWFFA.com. All right, everybody, we are back. And if you're just joining us, I just want to mention once again that we have two tournaments coming up, actually a few tournaments. So make sure you check out the IWFFA.com for these dates. But the two tournaments that we were talking about earlier was the New Orleans tournament that's coming up in July 10th and 11th. And of course, the P-Town Classic, which is an amazing one. That is going to be September 17th through the 21st. If you guys are interested in that, even if you're a single player and don't have a team, you can always sign up for the Loose Women. But email Diane Burleson at the IWFFA at IWFFA.com or go on the IWFFA website and check it out and see what's going on. So, Kim, you have a little bit of a topic. Uh, we were talking about a little bit, but you really want to talk about team chemistry. Yeah, I wanted to talk about team chemistry, team building, and, and just working together. So I'm going to probably talk about it from the perspective of the teams that have played together for the longest time. And you're thinking about going out to other tournaments and playing. And so one of the things that I would, you know, recommend that you do with your team, even before you come to the tournaments, is to spend some time together if you're not already doing it. Spend some time together building your team camaraderie, socialize together, and go out and play something other than football. The team that I was on, we played pool. We shot pool together, amongst other things. <laughs> so... <laughs> The other things we won't mention. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> the stuff you must be of age to do. Right, right. So you're saying, okay, Kim, you want me to go out and spend some time with my team. What is that going to do? Well, I promise you, it's going to help you play better. You're going to play better together because teams that win, if you watch sports and any type of sports, those teams that typically win, among other things, they play well together. One, because they either know each other and they have become comfortable with their roles. And it helps if you like one another. Now, if you don't, that's okay too, because, you know, everyone's not going to love everyone or, you know, personality get along. But here's the thing. If you understand what that person's role is, then you're there to support them so that your team can win. So that is the most important thing to kind of remember being on an existing team, you know, supporting each other, working together, and just kind of building that team spirit together. Okay. So now I'm going to take you to playing for loose women. So you know that the New Orleans tournament is coming up. There's a loose women team. Don't be shy 
shy about joining a team that maybe you don't know anyone. I played on a loose women team for years and I loved it. At first, it was a little scary because I'm, I'm a little shy. But when I got on a loose team, here's the thing that happened. I, I met some people that I still remain friends with to this day. I was able to enjoy myself with women that I had known. I learned about them. They learned about me. And then also too, it was fairly easy to kind of build our personalities together so that we can kind of work together towards common goal. And then in between games, what the loose women did is, you know, sometimes we spent some time together. We spent more time together getting to know each other, maybe eating together, you know, drinking together or what have you, just to kind of really bond differently. With loose women teams, what may happen is that as you're learning each other, maybe the first game, maybe, I'm not saying this happens all the time, may not go your way because you're still learning each other, maybe. But as you play more and more games and you've spent time even with your loose women team members, you guys are going to play well together. If you think about it, there's some things that are important. We talked about you know, defense. We talked a little bit about offense and, and some of the fundamentals of the game. Okay, so those are things that you need to know about the game in order to play the game well. But what about these things that we don't talk about, which is the chemistry, the team chemistry, the team building and the supporting each other and making sure that we understand how to win the game together. And so that is really a lot of the success of many teams, among other things, that they have really built up their team. And that's why someone would say, oh my goodness, this team has played together for a long time and they play so well together. Well, yeah, you know, they've really become one, you know, so as you come to these tournaments, work on spending some time with your team members, you know, maybe getting to know them and really doing some team building exercises to get to know each other better. And then again, don't shy away from the loose women because that's a fun time too. I've had a ball with loose women. When Diane first introduced me to playing on loose women, I was like, ah, I don't know about that. But I tell you, it's a great team to be with. Very well said, Kim. Very well mm-hmm. said. And I agree with you 100% on it. it. You know, I think that a couple of my softball teams have been playing together so long that every one of us knows each other. We know where we're going to be positioned in the outfield, who's mm-hmm. going to go for what ball. Yep. Like we got to a point where, yeah, sometimes you still call it, but you know where you're people are going to be and what they're capable mm-hmm. of and and who's going to get there yeah and, and it's true what you said you have to learn to develop what your role is and understand what everybody's role in because one of the things i love about playing team sports is i love playing individual sports like my swimming and everything but being a team is just that and i think that's very important like you said you have to understand it's a team effort in football you don't lose as an individual you don't win as an individual you win as a team and mm-hmm. in order for you to understand that you have have to learn each other and I like what you said go out play pool do different things and and see you know you're not going to get along with everybody like or be best buds with everybody but as long as you develop that chemistry of that team that's important good summary very good Yep. Good, good, good. You know, one of the things that I want to talk about also is you asked me the other day, we were talking about health when we were on the phone and you're like, oh, you know, I, you know, I have rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, arthritis is one of the major <laughs> things that people get when they yeah. play sport. And that's really hard for a lot of people because as you get older, you start aching, your back pops out, you know, the, <laughs> the pains that you never had before, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, like, you know, arthritis is different than rheumatoid arthritis. And, and I know you wanted me to talk about this. So we're going to talk about it for a little bit towards the end of the show. But, you know, rheumatoid arthritis is basically an autoimmune disease. And basically what that means, it is an inflammatory disease as well. But basically what that is, is that your immune system is attacking healthy cells. And so your immune system looks at these cells and says, oh my God, what is this? This is a foreign issue or a foreign <laughs> substance. And it starts to attack that. And this is where your joints start swelling, all, all these different, you know, and, and it really starts to affect your joints. And that's why a lot of times people have disfigured joints and they can't move things anymore is because your body is constantly attacking. And someone who's dealing with an autoimmune disease right now understands how that feels. And it's hard for mm. people because we think of RA as something like, oh, it's just an inflammatory disease, but it's much more than just mm. regular arthritis. And so this is really important because a lot of people, you know, the most common areas that are affected by this are your hands, wrists, knees, and joints, any of your joints, basically, if you want to think about it that way. And this is causing damage to the tissues by the joints. And when the tissue and the bursar pads and everything start going down and the synovial pad, what ends up happening is you start having long lasting chronic pain and deformity a lot of times happens with you see people with RA with deformity in their toes and their fingers and they don't move their elbows and everything and this is due to that inflammation of being attacked by your immune system we underestimate our immune system a lot because as much as we give it credit to if we don't take care of ourselves these autoimmune diseases pop up and it can happen to by infections that's how my autoimmune disease got tossed around as well so some of the most common risks of autoimmune disease is and I'm going to say this so a lot of people don't like to hear this but it is your lifestyle and mm -hmm. what that means is well you know what I'm going to say you know what you put in your body what you eat is what you are and so mm -hmm. if you're eating a lot of heavy foods that are meat dairy based that are deep fried that are fast food or things with processed you know pesticides herbicides in them those things are going to create inflammation inside the body one of the things that I tell people if you have RA is to get off dairy because dairy is one of those main inflammation. Dairy is nothing more than mucus, blood, pus, and water from a cow. And I know that sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, even Kim's like, oh, I didn't know that. But it, it is. That's why when you drink dairy, when you drink milk, what's sticky? You get stickiness in the back of your mouth, right? Well, that's mm -hmm. the mucus from the milk. That, that's the almond milk now. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, but, all, but almond milk from the stores isn't the greatest either. A lot of it's watered down because they mm -hmm. want to make it cheap for you. And then, yeah. but so I always say make your own almond milk and there's really fabulous recipes but you know a lot of times western medicine likes to say the word genetics and you know what I'm not a fan of genetics I'm not going to say that genetics don't play a part I'm not you know because we're still in medicine we're still learning about what part of genetics really does play a part but I notice the people that have certain diseases like cancer RA different things like that usually tend to leave a lifestyle that isn't the healthiest for them and so I tend to look at it and I say well you know what if you have RA and you're having all these achy joints or even arthritis or even as an athlete we were talking last week Kim, about how the fruits and vegetables and yeah, everything like yeah. that those type of things actually lower symptoms you kind of think of things and you say well I have heat I have inflammation so I want to eat cooling foods I want to eat things that extinguish inflammation and yes to a point that is true you know but your fruits and vegetables like your berries your berries are great your blueberries strawberries things like that that'll really help but at the same time there's things that are warming in nature that are wonderful for things like RA and arthritis and, and inflammation prop 
properties. And a couple of the things I'm going to mention here, of course, people always talk with your physicians. The information that I give is just for knowledge purposes. I'm not your physician, so I don't want to give out <laughs> right. any information and have you go to the store buying stuff. Talk to your physician because even herbs and, and spices and things like that can have an adverse effect if you're allergic to it or something and you don't know about that. So I always tell people with RA, people with inflammation, people with digestive issues, get a food allergy test. Try to figure out what's what you're allergic to, what you're not, and, and test out things and see, hey, if I eat this, does this upset my stomach? Because if it upsets my stomach, chances are it's going to cause inflammation in my body. And that we don't want, especially with RA. So a couple of the common things that really work and that are warming in nature. This is what's wonderful about nature is it's warming. You think, oh, why would I put heat on inflammation? But it doesn't work like that. So cinnamon is a wonderful thing. If you have a cold or flu or RA or arthritis, cinnamon is wonderful because it expels that wind. It expels that cold out of your body and it lowers the inflammation. We were talking about the other day, bromelain. Bromelain is an enzyme from the pineapple, that centerpiece that everyone throws out that's hard as a rock that you don't like. That actually is power packed with bromelain. If you take it on an empty stomach, it is a anti-inflammatory. If you take it with food, then it becomes a digestive enzyme. So there's two perks to it. But if you want to use it for inflammation, take it on an empty stomach. There's also arnica, which is a homeopathic. And they're little pellets if you're not familiar with homeopathic and stuff like that. But Arnica is a wonderful thing and that takes down uh, inflammation, that takes down pain and you put maybe three pellets under your tongue, you let it dissolve, but you don't need to drink coffee, caffeine, or mint two hours before and after you take each dose because it'll kill it. Two other things I, I really always suggest is ginger, black pepper, uh, green tea, garlic. Those are all anti-inflammatories. They all help the digestive system. They all help reduce inflammation. Garlic is antimicrobial, antiviral. So that brings it down. Ginger settles down inflammation as well, helps the digestive system. And Kim, we're taking turmeric. Turmeric is really mm -hmm. wonderful for that. But if you take turmeric, you have to drink it with black pepper. Mm. Turmeric, the active ingredient in there, it only does well if you have it with black pepper. Curcumin only absorbs if black pepper is around. Most of the time you excrete it and you waste it. So if you've been taking oh. like, like pills of turmeric, a lot of mm -hmm. times you'll see in the thing, it'll say black pepper with it because mm -hmm. the, the active ingredient curcumin common does do that so okay, that's excellent. but people you have to realize that the body needs rest one of the major things that we look at when we're athletes especially when we're young we don't take our body seriously we when we have swelling of the joints tender joints or stiffness pain that is our body telling us we need time to rest the only way we're going to get better is if we rest we take care of ourselves and we feed the body what it needs i know i probably sound like a broken record to a lot of people and, and i get it people trust me i do understand that it's hard to change change eating habit. It's one of the hardest things to do out of all, like out of doing drugs, smoking, drinking. I think changing eating habits are one of the hardest, but you have to start out slow and start changing things because the things that are creating these things like inflammation, cancers, rheumatoid arthritis, and autoimmune disease is usually starting to find out through all these studies all over the world that it's starting to be linked mostly to what we're putting in our bodies. I mean, we grew up in microwaves and plastics and all these different things, and we're 
finding out even with people with dementia now, people who are cooking in microwaves and cooking in plastic bowls and reheating and drinking out of plastic water bottles, that they have plastic in the brain and inside their spinal column and it's eating holes in their brain and that's what's causing things like dementia and Parkinson's and everything like that. So we really, really have to maintain what we're doing. All right, guys, I think that'll be it for that little segment and stuff because I think we're getting close to the end. Kim, do you have anything that you want to say towards the end or anything? I hope everyone has a good rest of the day and everyone enjoy the segment today. Absolutely. I think that they did. And, and I got to be honest with you, Kim, you, you know, I really loved your team chemistry thing because I think that's so important for athletes to understand. People, you know, we always want to go out there and be the star of the show and, you know, win <laughs> yeah. awards and win medals because yeah. we're searching for something inside of us. Throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, how many athletes do that, right? <laughs> But it's very true. It's very true, people. You know, it is a team effort. You win as a team. You lose as a team. And even if you make the great play at the end, you know, it's still a team effort. It takes the oh, it takes the offensive line or the defensive line plus your receivers and your quarterbacks and your running back and your back. You know, it takes everybody to win a game. So I think that's the most important. And I think that what Kim had to say is very important. So guys, before we go, I just want to mention that the next month's show, July 26th, will be in Spanish for this Spanish-speaking show. We are now doing a show in English and we are doing a show in Spanish and that will be hosted by MJ. So I'm really excited to listen to that. Even though I don't speak Spanish, I still want to hear it because <laughs> even though I'm not understanding, it's great to see that the IWFFA is growing in ways that we want to see it going. So just make sure that you sign up for the IWFFA newsletter and check out MJ's show on July 26th in Spanish. And if you don't speak Spanish, but you know other people that do and they'll benefit from that, please pass that along as well so all right kim thank you so much for being here as always thank you miss rain i enjoyed you thank you all right everybody have a wonderful month and we will see you and this has been on air with the iwffa